This is Friends and Benefits, a podcast hosted by Reward Strategy, and you may have guessed it, they're Friends and Benefits. Stay tuned to find out what's hot, what's not, and what's happening in the world of pay and reward. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the latest episode of the Friends in Benefits podcast with myself, Jade Burke, Deputy Editor of Reward Strategy. And today we have Mel Noon, Head of Payroll at Betty's and Taylor's of Harrogate, who is joining us today. Now, the Yorkshire family-run business is known for its iconic brands, including the likes of Yorkshire Tea, Betty's and Taylor's of Harrogate. And of course, it has a number of tea rooms as well. But in this episode, we're going to explore how payroll works within the business, as well as why it strives to be as environmentally friendly as possible. So I just want to say welcome, Mel. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Hi, Jade. I'm well today. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Looking forward to getting stuck in. We've got some good topics to discuss, so it should be a really interesting podcast. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to kick off asking you how you came to work in the payroll space specifically. Well, I fell into payroll. I think a lot of people do, don't they? I fell into payroll um, to cover somebody's maternity leave, actually, many, many years ago. And I, I kind of stayed in it because I had a thirst for knowledge. So I wanted to understand why the system was doing what it was doing. So it just kind of snowballed from there. Once I started learning, I just stayed. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So many people say they fall into the payroll. Yeah, I definitely don't know anybody that has actively chosen it from, you know, from being quite young and chosen it as a career path. I only know people that have fallen into it, to be fair. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a lot of work that is sort of happening or ticking over in the background in terms of getting, I guess, the younger generation into that. And I'm going to ask you that a bit later on, actually, just to get your thoughts. But hopefully we'll get those younger younger generation into it and, and really sinking their teeth into payroll, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal, wouldn't it, from an industry perspective, because it's an aging industry as well, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. We need to get younger people in, younger generations. That's it, 100%. So what does your role entail at Betty's and Taylor's at the moment? You know, what do you get up to day to day? So I'm, the, as you said earlier, I'm the head of payroll. My day to day is very varied, actually. I support, obviously, the BAU payroll team and all the activity they conduct on a daily basis. We have a weekly and a monthly payroll that goes out, which is quite intense and in-depth. We I help and develop, support the strategic vision for payroll, you know, what we want to achieve, how we want to achieve it, and the easiest way of getting there, if you like. Support a lot of project activity that impacts employee pay, support rewards, support HR, and then the system requirements and analytics and things like that that we know people are going to want in the future if they don't yet need or know they need it. Um, we know that they will want it eventually, so I support that as well. So it's a very varied role. Two days are never the same. Absolutely, I bet that makes it interesting though, and quite quite varied, I suppose, day to day. Absolutely. So it is a really interesting job. To be fair, it it definitely is. It can be quite technical at times, and quite high level, and quite strategic, and then very detailed. In the next, every meeting is very different. Yeah, of course, I can imagine. And then obviously prior to your role here, you've worked in quite a few different sectors, I noticed. So I wanted to ask which one has presented the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in that time? I think for me, the biggest the biggest challenge has probably been retail due to the level of flexibility that is required with, I think, with other, other industries. You know, food manufacturing is obviously more rigid and it's got a lot more rules around it and shift start and end times and that sort of thing to make sure that the output is there. With construction, it's very unionised and, well, heavily unionised and very rigid from that perspective as well. So you've always got boundaries, set roles and boundaries. 
retail has rules and boundaries it just requires a different level and flexibility in order to be able to react to to the external marketplace if you like you know how busy you are on one day doesn't necessarily determine how busy you are on the next day and what your staffing needs are going to be so I think how we react to that is it's obviously needed to make sure the business can function as it needs to function but it's it can become quite complicated and quite a challenge at the same time. Right okay well that sounds really good though I suppose it's nice in a way because like you say keeps you on your toes and and keeps you busy and, and it, I guess you have to think on your feet quite a bit. Absolutely and we you know we do react we're trying to we're trying to get to be more proactive in how we how we manage our different because we've got food manufacturing within this business as well as retail and catering so it's very very it's quite varied across the board even just within this one company so we we are trying to be more proactive in how we manage that brilliant and then obviously you've been at betty's and taylor's now for for several years so how has the payroll function developed in your time there massively (laughs) i think is is the big word we've implemented a new erp system within the business with payroll going first at the start of the pandemic unfortunately for us so we didn't have the luxury of working from home immediately as soon as it started because we were just trying to embed brand new ways of working and brand new processes but then we did go into working from home which was quite a challenge in itself as well obviously reacting on that reacting to a lot of external pressure with what was going on with coronavirus and things like that as well so there's been a lot of external changes that we've needed to to look at when it comes to sickness and all that sort of stuff reacting to business need has also been a big thing for us because the business is always continually trying to evolve and improve I guess you know policies things like that so we're very reactory to that Um, and we've got new as I said new systems and whole new team in that space as well so it's been quite a challenge to get where we are we're in a very good place at the moment and you know long may that keep improving and evolving really yeah absolutely and I guess would you say then what you just mentioned there do you think the pandemic kind of helped you you make that shift I think it probably it allowed us to look at our payroll team in a different way so it allowed us to consider obviously at home working because you know everybody had to work from home and we did that for as long as we possibly could until we are quite a paper-driven business at the moment from a payroll perspective. We do get a lot of stuff still coming in on, on paper. So we did have to react to that. Um, it, it did definitely give us some different learnings and things that we didn't, nobody perceived we would actually have to face did we a pandemic. But yeah, it was it was quite a challenge embedding a new system at the same time, exact same time when that came with its own complexity and you know a few little issues and teething problems as well so we've we've they've done a sterling job to get to where we are to be fair sure yeah I mean I can't imagine it must have been like for everyone in that sense or that situation sorry it was just a completely it was a bit chaotic wasn't it I guess in a way because everyone had to just work from home overnight pretty much so and then inputting a, a brand new system yeah it must have been um, a bit troubling at times but at least uh, at least it's helped you out in the long run it, it has and I think I think the thing was that we never expected it to happen, but it has allowed us to actually relook at our model, if you like, within payroll. And can we work from home some days a week? Yes, we can. You know, whereas traditionally we'd have always said no, we have to be in the office all the time. So we've we've evolved with it, and we've we've got some great learnings from it in order for us to be able to be more, I guess, family friendly, so that people can work from home a little bit more and have that ability to 
not have to worry about coming into work and the commute and that sort of stuff. So it, it has helped us. I mean, it's, it was really tough, but it has helped us frame things in a different way. Yeah, of course. And on that note, I wanted to ask you uh, or get your thoughts on whether you think payroll professionals are still using like dated systems like spreadsheets. And I asked that because new research, which we covered on on reward strategy a couple of weeks ago now, found that almost a quarter of teams prefer using manual spreadsheets over more advanced technology. So I just want to get your thoughts on whether teams should embrace more software to enhance their roles and, and make it a little bit more easier. Or do yourself, I mean, do, do you guys still opt for manual processes? You know, you know what, what are your thoughts on that? So to be fair, I think trusting the data, I can see why people don't use advanced systems and technology and stuff and they do favor spreadsheets and personally I think that's more to do with the fact that there's a comfort zone in knowing that you've created that data and that's your data and it's a it's a controlled you know spreadsheet or whatever it is but I think the a lack of confidence and understanding in technology means people do default to the ways that they trust and understand better but that's not necessarily the right way to go I think it's not an efficient way of working we here we still have, like I said earlier, paper-based processes because we're still quite young and in our ERP solution that we've got put in at the moment. So, you know, we're still learning what our automated ways can be, although we are still striving to make evolve that and make better better decisions and things going forward. But I don't think I think if there's an advanced technology offering there to support, it should be used so that you've got one source of the truth because spreadsheets are as out, are outdated as soon as they're written you know you don't have unless you've got somebody there dedicated to update spreadsheets in real time which let's face it very few people have the luxury of that I think the fact that they're outdated they're just not really worth it anymore if you don't need to use them I don't think you should be using them but saying that I do see the benefit in some of them it just depends on what it is that's in them yeah I guess it's tricky isn't it it's what works for someone might not work for another and, and vice versa sort of thing yeah. so it's all about the size of your business as well I think if you've got a big business and you're managing spreadsheets then I think it's it is definitely time wasted smaller businesses that don't really have big systems backing them and big IT teams that can can back what they're doing and support them then it, it's natural that you'd default to a spreadsheet of course yeah and actually that leads nicely onto because I was going to ask when when budgets are tight so for example at smaller firms how can payrollers there streamline their processes so like you said perhaps you know things like spreadsheets are a little bit more advantageous for the smaller firms whereas those with bigger budgets can can splash the cash a little bit and and, and use that software yeah absolutely and I think from my perspective I always think Think simple. That's a big thing that we've got at the moment. Think simple. What's the simplest way to achieve the output that I need? And, you know, that may be, you know, spreadsheets. It may be process mapping. It may be looking at the overall high level of a process and, and seeing what tools are best to, to support that. But it's when budgets are tight, I think there are a lot of free resources out there that you can use and adopt. Free, I mean, Excel word and that sort of stuff that you can use and get gain what you need to from it to be fair you can take what you need to from it you don't need big expensive tools to actually get the output that you desire absolutely it's all about kind of finding what works isn't it for you yeah and think sim as i say think simple to get the because that'll be the easiest way that you'll get your output of complicating things which you know i think all businesses tend to overcomplicate in some respects certainly wherever i've worked we've 
overcomplicated in different areas. It's never been the same. But you know, once you've once you take a um, a process back to bare bones and simplify it, you can build it from there, and it's very easy to look at it in a different way as opposed to just accepting that that's always the way it's been done. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And something I noticed that Betty's offers is it shares the financial success of the business every quarter. I think it was. So I wanted to ask you whether you believe financial compensation like that is crucial to attract and retain those staff members? So I do. I think, I mean, our scheme is based on overall group performance as a whole. It's not based on individual performance. So everybody receives the same percentage throughout the business. So from our perspective to be egalitarian, that's a really important value for this business. I think generally, do I? if I thought financial remuneration was crucial to attract staff, I think it is. And I think more so now because we're in a bit of economic uncertainty with fuel prices, with gas and electric, everything and cost of food, cost of living, everything is rising. So I think therefore people are looking for a higher salary. But I think for us, it's a good thing, but it's not everything. There's a there's a wider offering from from our perspective. Yeah, I think that's that's true, isn't it? In terms of of I guess what employees look for it's not just all about the money sometimes it's you know all the other benefits that come or the reward side and and what else they can get from a business absolutely and I think it I think that's what we've seen if I'm honest certainly throughout the past two years with the pandemic you know how the business has really looked after its staff you know has has been one of the one of the key benefits really for retaining staff and attracting staff because we have looked after everybody yeah, absolutely. And I guess on that note, do you think that I know we've seen employers hand out bonuses or, or pay rises, um, particularly over the last sort of year, in order to win talent? I mean, do you agree that that is the right way to go about it? Not necessarily. I think for I personally think well-being and development opportunities should be as a, a big of a factor to win talent. I think it's what your additional offerings are. You know that they are key as well certainly I wouldn't I would be looking for what the additions are as well as just the base salary because there's more to life than just money you know there's other boxes to be ticked in that sense you know particularly over the last two years you know we've noticed there's a a renewed interest in our in well-being initiatives and because of the culture that we have has been family-led you know we wanted to continue being an employer of choice therefore we want to continue offering more than just just salary and having additional things there like well-being hubs and that sort of stuff as well yeah definitely it all adds up doesn't it it does it does brilliant so before we move on and find out why family focused policies are central to the business we're going to take a very quick ad break hi there it's kitty wood here reporting for award strategy I want to let you know that the Payroll and Reward Conference held in partnership with the Payroll Centre is coming around quickly, taking place on the 8th and 9th of June at the Chelsea Harbour Hotel. On the day, topics that will be discussed include international payroll, the gamification of rewards, how to manage a global workforce and whether women are being left behind on financial rewards. Some fantastic speakers will also be appearing across the two days from brands such as Stella McCartney. Find the full agenda online. We hope to see you there, but for now, let's get back to listening to Friends and Benefits. And we're back after that quick break. Thank you for for waiting for us, guys, who's listening today. So as I mentioned just before then, we're going to discuss family-focused policies. As Betty's and Taylor's is a family-run business, I wanted to find out, Mel, whether family-focused policies are a fundamental value to the company 
or whether they were more spearheaded throughout the pandemic. I guess where remote working really took off and, and showcased the importance of offering such benefits. Yeah, um, I think to be fair, I think the family friendly policies are been a family run business they are an intrinsic part of the the dna of the business if you like obviously i think all policies have evolved probably more so in the past two years than than any other time if i'm honest because we've had you've, the world has had to react to the fact that coronavirus is a thing you know coronavirus has been there and that's meant the creation of work from home policies and been flexible working and focus on well-being and things like that but that's not to say that those things weren't in place beforehand it's just they've got more of a spotlight since the pandemic began yeah definitely I think yeah like you say it's kind of shone a light on that hasn't it yeah it has and it, I think it, it it has in probably most businesses certainly from people I network with but it's just one of them things that's had to because otherwise you, how do you retain your staff if you're not focusing on on the things that help retain them Absolutely. That's so true. Reflecting on those sort of, I guess, the family focused uh, values there, is that something that drew you to the organisation in the first place? It was. It was. I'll be honest, I was quite, a, I'm quite a loyal fan anyway. So Yorkshire tea is my tea of drink. <laughs> so and it's something that we've always drunk at home. So actually getting a job here was ideal for me. And Betty's, who doesn't love a Betty's cake? So yeah, I've been a lifelong customer. So that and it, so it was really the brand for me that drew me to it and understanding that the, they are a family family-led business I mean I came from what once was a family-led business which was taken over to become quite corporate and now back in a family-led business so it's very it, it's there's a level of comfort to be yourself in this business that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were in an overly corporate firm so it was it was that really that drew me here the brand and the fact that I could actually just be myself. I can be myself here. Yeah, definitely. That sounds lovely. And I love the the passion there. And in terms of like the job, it sounds like the dream job for you, doesn't it? <laughs> it absolutely is. Although, the, you know, you do tend to eat too many cakes when you first start working here. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, but that can't be a bad thing. I mean, I, I would, I mean, what a dream job to work somewhere that you can have cakes on tap. <laughs> Antique. 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 <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a dream. But then just just moving, I wanted moving forward, I just want to ask your thoughts about being environmentally friendly and sustainability, that sort of thing. Um, and I know the business is a certified carbon neutral company. So what, why is that so crucial to the organisation? I think it's crucial because we've been established for so as long as we have. We've been, you know, we've been in operation for over 100 years now and we uphold strong values that support our approach, a collaborative approach to how we work. It's really important to the business that projects make a difference to both the climate and suppliers we work with and their communities as well, because we work, you know, around the world. I mean, as you know, last year we we were honoured really to receive that UN Climate Action Award for work for our work to achieve carbon neutral certification for both our company and our tea and coffee products. And we've supported over you know, planting over five million trees since nineteen ninety. So it's it's a massive thing for this business to not have a footprint really that is more than it needs to be and to be carbon neutral it's a it's a big thing for us it's a big thing I think for the industry as well and it's just something that is absolutely one of the values that that the family led yeah that's that's great to hear and I think it's something that a lot more businesses are trying to focus on as we go forwards um in terms of being sustainable and and just making that pledge to to, to work towards that 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've only got one planet and we need to look after the one we've got. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. On that note, I wanted to ask you whether there are ways that the payroll process could be altered or tweaked to be more sustainable or or if or is that even a possibility at the moment? I think it is. I think it's always a possibility to evolve and become more sustainable. Um, we're always looking to gain, we're always looking for ways to streamline and gain efficiencies, um, which will come, you know, with sustainability. Like at the moment, we've got, um, we still have a high level of human interaction. We do want to get more automated, but there's always, we always need a human there. We need to be more sustainable, I think, from a payslip perspective. There's always ways that we can evolve um, and ways that we're looking to evolve and want to evolve to make sure that we are more sustainable as a department. It's all about, I guess, working out the kinks, isn't it? And, and finding ways around stuff. Yeah. And I think once you once you understand your processes in and out, you can then start looking at, right, what can we streamline? What can we become more sustainable with? What do we need? Do we need to keep doing that? And do we need to, to change our process so that we have a positive impact on the world as opposed to just continuing with the norm? It's all about involvement and, and making sure that you don't stand still. Yeah, of course, 100% definitely. And I know we mentioned this earlier, but I'm come to my question now about the, you know, getting the younger generation to payroll. And something I noticed that Betty's offers is a wide range of learning and development opportunities. Do you think that those sort of upskilling benefits can encourage that younger generation to embrace payroll if they if they see those sort of benefits on offer? Yes, I do. I, th- I think, yeah, I think there's a level of transparency that, you know, we have what, by the fact that we offer a wide range of learning and development opportunities. I think the problem with encouraging a younger generation into payroll is wider than, you know, it's wider than here and it's wider than any business really. I think it's it's a thing that people tend to fall into. Like I said earlier, people don't wake up one day and think I'm going to be a payroll and I want to pay people. It's something that you tend to fall into and that that's what needs changing. I think there's got to be an education the younger generations on what the benefits are of this, of working in this industry, you know, and why we need people to understand what a payslip says. And I think there's there's a lot more that collaboratively together businesses could do or, you know, other payroll organisations could do to get the word out there to younger generations. I think it's more than just what we offer as learning and development as business. It's more, it, it needs to be a little bit more transparent I think the payroll industry in in the UK I think it's a little bit stumped at the minute right and then that might actually pave the way for I guess that those younger workers to come forward and and you know say they want this career yeah because I think if you if you actually I don't know try and try and attract younger generations from school from college you know into as much as you would into finance into payroll you know that it's it's a great industry to be in it's got so many positives to be in and it gives you so many skills that you can apply to other industries should you not stay in the in payroll for a long for a long time I think it I just think we we probably people start to get developed in payroll once they're in payroll as opposed to being developed to come into payroll I think it's a different different flip on the question right no that makes sense definitely and um, just reflecting on different generations that you get within a business do you think that diversity of thought can enhance an organization therefore I guess suggesting why these businesses should strive for better DNI? you know what, what are your thoughts on that um, absolutely I think having a diverse range of generations within the workforce brings a range of skills and approaches that you know, we can all benefit from. I think you you have a really restricted view 
if you don't have diversity in, in your workforce, I think it can be, we've just done a project actually, um, and you know, you we've worked with people from all different sides of the business, some people you wouldn't normally have exposure to in different departments. And it's worked so well because of that, because you've had different views and different generational imp- input that it actually has all come together really well. And I think like many organisations around the world, we recognise it as a journey and we can always do more for diversity and inclusion and, you know, all and all that sort of stuff but we are striving to be truly inclusive. We want to do more because I think every business can do more, but where we are at the moment, you know, we've it's absolutely needed and we've got what we need at the moment, I think, from a payroll perspective here. You know, we've got a lot of different, we've got different generations that do contribute and it's, it's brilliant. You know, we do have younger people coming in. We've got mid-range and then we've got older people. So, you know, you've got a full spectrum, if you like, Absolutely. And then I guess, like you say, you get that diverse thought and, and more sort of opinions and, and it just helps a business to grow, doesn't it? It does. It does. And the, you know, having having the input from different people, it's just really worthwhile to actually be able to to think. Sometimes I think you can, and this is not this business, I think sometimes you can just get institutionalised in the way that you think, because there's always, in the UK, as you know, Jade, you know, the output will always be the statutory output that's required. But how you get there is different, depending on which system you use or depending on which business you work for. Or, you know, there's a lot of diversity in the different payroll departments across the UK. So why not have diversity within the workforce that sits in them so that you get the full range? Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. As a payroll leader yourself, I want to get your thoughts on pensions and savings, which is quite a I guess a bit contentious in terms of a subject because not many people are that tuned into pensions. They kind of put it to the side and then there's obviously some that are really, really into that and, and, are, and are keeping tabs of their pension pots. But I think I want to ask if if this was to be given a boost, do you think that auto saving should become a legal requirement? Quite controversially, I say, I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, and I say that for two reasons. One, because I think what we should be doing is educating people more on financial well-being. I think we should be enabling people to make their own well-informed decisions for their own personal circumstances and not inflicting something that is actually, is it really going to give them a massive return at the end of it, you know, depending on the rules and the, the parameters around what the legal, you know, potential legal requirement could be. I think there's there's just... It could work for one person and not work for the next person. So I think to inflict something of a legal requirement for auto saving, I'm not particularly on board with. I'd rather we educate our workforce to become more responsible for saving and understand things more. Those taboo things that people don't understand, like pensions, um, like ICEs and things like that. You know, we should be educating people on how to actually understand that better and save for themselves and not not put a legal requirement in there that may actually they may think, well, if I'm saving there, I don't need to do it over here. You know, I'm, I don't need to think about that because I'm doing it there for a rainy day. It's it's, it's just having the right balance. And I don't think by putting, making it a legal requirement, I don't think that we would get that balance, similar to pensions, to be fair. And the second reason why I don't think it should come in is the complexity. Because if you look at auto-enrolment and the complexity around that and the parameters, the opt-ins, the opt-outs, you know, every three years, that sort of stuff, the mandatory, if the van- mandatory values are low and the interest rates are low, what's really the benefit of 
putting that money aside? When would you be able to take it out? The rules and principles would be a minefield to determine and to apply. And I think from an admin burden from commencement to actually, you know, from an implementation perspective and then from an ongoing maintenance perspective, it just gives more things for payroll to govern, you know, for payroll to make sure that they're compliant with. And personally, I think it's better for the business to, or better for businesses to invest in offering financial wellbeing support. And it is something that BTG are embarking on this year because that's what we see is a benefit, a big benefit for our employees. Yeah, I think it's such an interesting sort of argument in in what we just discussed, like, you know, how, how it would work, how it wouldn't work and the, the issues that that could face for, for employees and then the employer as well. So it's quite an interesting topic. And I, I mean, like like you say, it might not come forward or, you know, ever like in that sense. But, you know, would it really benefit people if it was to come into play sort of thing? Yeah, that that's the bit where I would question it, because whilst auto-enrolment for pensions is a brilliant thing, you know, the rates are low, the percentages are really quite low. So it's not it's not going to be a massive pension pot that you receive at the time that you come to take your retirement. It's it's It'll be something, but it won't necessarily be huge. So unless you're going to put something in that makes it actually worthwhile, then I think the, there's a lot more negatives than there are positives when it comes to managing it. So for me, it's I would actually say I think I don't think it would be right for a legal requirement to be put on auto saving. Yeah, no, fantastic. And then finally, Mel, I just wanted to ask you what you'd be doing if you weren't in the payroll profession. That's a big question. I think because I really love gardening. I love the peace and tranquility of watching things grow. So I think I'd probably do something with landscape gardening. I like to think I would anyway. Um, maybe I'm not that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not. Well, maybe I won't be that um, creative. But I'd like to think it'd be something like that. To be honest. Yeah, yeah something quite. Something, something outside, quite peaceful and tranquil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something outside in all weathers where you can just blow away the cobwebs. <laughs> Definitely, it sounds quite picturesque when you think when you uh, word it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, that is all we've got time for there, Mel. But I just want to say thank you for joining me on this latest episode. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion we've had today. It's been really, really insightful. Yeah, happy. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And I just want to say, remember, we'll be back with another Friends in Benefits very soon. But in the meantime, you can listen to some of the past episodes featuring the likes of Royal Opera House, Oaxaca and Avon online. But I just want to say thank you all for listening once again. Mm-hmm.